1: Welcome to the podcast. This is Kristen. This is Molly. Molly, as promised, um, in honor of this podcast, I'm going to tell you a nickname of mine given to me by by a boyfriend that you probably have never never heard. No, oh, I've been promised this anecdote for today. It's not too revolutionary, but Molly, um, I am in some circles known as the Thrifty Nickel. Oh, it's so adorable. Yeah, it's kind of adorable, but also, um, sort of an insult because I really don't like spending money. I'm, you could say I'm a little bit of a tightwad sometimes. Really? Yeah. I like to shop, but I shop alone. I go for things. I'm kind of like, you know, like a hunter. I can see it, get it, leave. I'm not a person to go try on 50 dresses and see which one I like. If I don't like it on the rack, I'm leaving and you better be coming with me. Do you, um, have guilt when you shop? Is that what kind of makes you a thrifty nickel? Buyer's remorse. Yes. It's, it's a big problem. Um, if I don't, if I don't feel like I'm getting a good bargain on something, I will probably be back in that store returning the item, uh, in the following week. So you do buy the item. Sometimes it depends. Uh, it more depends on my mood, but a lot of times I'll just avoid shopping altogether unless I know that there's some kind of big sale going on. Well, this all leads us into the idea of, I'm sure Kristen's not the only thrifty nickel listening today. Um, and, but on the other hand, you know, we talk about female issues on this podcast and one of the big female stereotypes is that girls love to shop. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and maybe you really actually kind of do love to shop and you like the reward of getting a good deal. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's nothing like finding a pair of boots that are 50% off. I mean, I love it. I feel like I want a marathon or something. Right. And so, you know, we're just bombarded with these images and movies and TV of like the girls loaded down with bags. And what's kind of interesting is that the reason I was asking Kristen about guilt is that scientists have hooked our brains up to machines and tried to figure out why we buy what we buy and how that makes us feel. And what we're going to get into later is that this totally affects the way that people market goods and services to women. Mm -hmm. And Molly... Talking about that stereotype about women shopping, I think that women and men certainly shop in a different way, and we shop for different things. I think I saw in the Wall Street Journal yesterday that uh, in terms of retail items, women shop on a one- to three-year cycle, whereas men will shop on a ten-year cycle. So they buy, we buy clothes for a season. Men buy clothes for years to come. But as a matter of fact, according to the American Journal of uh, Psychiatry, men are just as likely to shop compulsively, as we are, they wow. just might be more reluctant to, to let anyone know about that. Oh, their secret, their secret, secret shame. Lovers. Yeah. So I think that we should talk about how just a brain, male, female, whatever, how our brain processes shopping. Right. Because if you learn from this podcast that you can blame all your shopaholic natures or your thrifty nickel natures on your brain, you know, that might make it easier to, easier to stomach. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's start off. Uh, We've got an article called, Is My Brain Making Me Buy Things I Don't Need? And it revolves around this study. Uh, Research was published in January 2007 uh, in the journal Neuron that uh, shows that when we spend, it's because things are going on in our brain that we have no control over whatsoever. Right. There are all these cognitive functions that are going on, but there are also emotional issues attached to shopping and actually purchasing something. And uh, when the researchers hooked participants up to an fMRI machine, they found that an area of the brain called the nucleus accumbens lights up when we see something that we like and want to buy. Now, this section near the middle of the brain is associated with our reward center. If we see something that we like and then we, we have it, we'll feel a sense of reward like I do when I buy bargain sweaters or whatever it might be. Um, and then once, uh, once we see the price, our, an area in our brain called the mesial prefrontal cortex lights up, and this region of the brain is known for higher executive functions. And it seems like the when when this part of the brain lights up, it's like we're trying to decide whether or not what we're looking at is worth the actual cost of it. And then the actual decision of whether or not we're going to purchase that handbag or a pair of boots or whatever happens in the insula. And uh, depending on whether or not uh, we buy it, uh, it, will, it will light up. Right. So how this all worked in practice was when the people went into the MRI machine, they were handed $40 in cash. They've got it in their hand. It's theirs to spend. And then they're shown images of these things that, you know, they can decide to buy or not. They can push a yes-no button and say, yeah, I want that. And then at the end of the experiment, The prices were subtracted from their $40 and the change was theirs. Mm -hmm. So before people even pushed the yes, no button, scientists could tell what they were going to pick based on whether that part that Kristen was talking about, the insula lit up. Um, the insula is just sort of, you know, your, it's kind of like your no button, basically. If your insula lit up, then you decide not to buy the product because the ends didn't justify the means. Um, but if it didn't light up, then you were like, bye, bye, buy. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because the insula is sort of the opposite of the brain's pleasure center. It's more associated with, with pain and regret. So if the insula is lighting up and you go ahead and buy it anyway, you know, you might feel horribly guilty about it, but it's very unconscious. You definitely haven't felt the pain yet. You can just sort of, you know, part of your brain's anticipating that there will be pain. Right. Cause this is happening so fast. I mean, when they were, flashing these images on the screen and then the price. It was happening all within maybe 10 seconds. Oh, I would bet less. Ugh. But I mean, I, I have no time on, on the matter. <laughs> but anyway, it is happening very fast, which is why um, you don't want to be making quick spur-of-the-moment purchases. That's how you kind of, you know, you don't give your brain time to do all its deliberating. Mm-hmm. And this is... Action that happens in the brain is something that behavioral economists call transaction utility. Ooh. Yes. And that's the measure of whether or not what we are getting is going to be a good deal and therefore pleasurable, or if we're going to um, be spending too much, then we should and we'll be experiencing pain from it. Now, the experiment we just described works for males or females. Everyone has this going on in their brain when they go shopping. But the reason it really relates to females in particular is that women buy more. You know, we are in charge of a lot more household purchases. Um, we have the stereotype that we'd like to go buy clothes and, you know, th- you know, throw off an afternoon that way. So knowing this about everyone's brains, there's a field called neuroeconomics that goes even deeper into a female brain to say, what else can we learn about a female's brain that will influence how she buys things. Right. And there was an article in the New York Times um, talking about how neuroeconomics applied to a new advertising campaign by Frito-Lay company. They know that women snack more often than men, but for some reason women were not going Four lays products. They were eating other things, and they also knew, as we were talking before, that that w- women were experiencing all of this guilt associated with snacking. So they wanted to develop these. Spe- uh, so they wanted to develop an ad campaign specifically targeting women to get them to acknowledge the guilt, but go ahead and buy some Frito-Lay products anyway. Right. They knew that uh, based on MRI scans that women relied more on the emotional side of their brain when making choices. So they're like, okay, women have all this guilt when they eat snacks. Um, they don't want to say just guilt-free because, you know, that still implies that guilt could be had. But the new packaging talks about how it's just so good for you. Yeah, and and the commercials are very like, hey, gals, we know what it's like. You're at the gym, and you're hungry, and you're all sweaty. Why don't you just open up a bag of sun chips? Because you're acknowledging that you're doing something good for you. Like, you're going to start seeing lots of packaging um that emphasizes the healthy ingredients, puts that on the forefront, mm-hmm. as opposed to zero calories, which reminds you about calories altogether. They're going to bypass that and go straight to, like... Oh, don't you love all natural products? Mm-hmm. And, and these little animated female characters that they're using, uh, are meant to let you, you know, really commiserate with, with the, the women and the fake women in, in the ads. You, you know, gotta been there. I've been there. I'm just hungry. I just want a snack. And don't they talk about, I didn't realize they had accents in the commercial, Kristen, but don't they, they do also, in my mind. don't they also talk about stuff, um, like bras and shopping and, all these things that women supposedly love and want camaraderie with. Yeah, it's kind of sex in the city on steroids in a horrible way. To make so you buy, <laughs> to make you buy potato chips. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just one very small example of how they're using your brain to get to you. Um, but Kristen, I know you brought some information in about how they arrange grocery stores just to get you. Oh, absolutely. Walk into any grocery store and you've got, a uh, neuroeconomics. In its finest form, you know. Uh, sorry. Okay. That's it. That's it. Oh. So the area immediately inside a supermarket, where they usually place a lot of displays and promotional items, is called the decompression zone, and this is really where uh, they want you to just. You know, take, take in the store, you know, start seeing things that you want to buy. And then you move into fresh fruits and vegetables. And this always bugs me. And I think it bugs a lot of other people because if you buy your bananas first and then you go buy, you know, your canned beans or whatever it is, your bananas are going to get squashed. But the thinking behind this is that selecting your good, wholesome, fresh food it's a good way to start shopping. You're doing something good for yourself so that by the time you make your way to the middle of the store and start running into, oh, I don't know, a Frito-Lay product or something <laughs> like that, uh, you'll be more willing to indulge a little bit. Yeah. You know, you start off good. Then you're like, oh, well, I have fruit. I can have cookies, too. Mm-hmm. And they put the... The common items like milk and cheese and eggs and things that most people just need to run in and buy in the back of the store so that you have to walk through other aisles of food that you that you wouldn't normally walk through. And this is all to boost your dwell time or your time in your store because the thinking goes that the longer you spend in a store, the more likely you are to buy more. And so, you're and plus, I would bet, I mean, there's no research on this, but I would bet your brain gets tired. We were talking earlier about, you know, these transactions that are happening in our brain between pain and pleasure. By the time you get to the cookie aisle, I don't know if your brain could still handle that. Mine can't. Mine gets overloaded at the grocery yeah, store. Yeah, just pick up the cookies. But, Thrifty Nickel, I just have to consider. Are grocery stores, by laying out their stores this way, doing us a favor? Um... Need, um, need a little more information. Yeah, I need, I, I, I can't make a judgment call on that yet. So I was looking at this women's health article. It's called How Manolos Can Save Your Life. Mm-hmm. And you may not like this thrifty nickel, but the article says yes. The article talks about how great shopping makes you feel. It only talks about that pain, that pleasure center while ignoring the role of the insula. And it basically says that by activating that pleasure center so much, you're just releasing endorphins all throughout your body. You're going to be in great shape because of it. You're going to be happier because of it. Essentially, you're making the world a better place because not only are you buying something nice for yourself, you're helping out that lady in the shop. You know, you're, it's going to be great. You're going to stay active. You're going to stay shopping. Yay, consumerism. All right, Molly. I mean, I, I, I buy that there is a, an innate connection between Pleasurable shopping and, uh, you know, emotions and all the positive effects of that. And, and that's fantastic. But Molly, how, how pleasurable and how, how good for your brain is it going to be when you get your credit card bill in the mail six weeks later and are $2,000 in debt? That's true. You're gonna to have to cancel your subscription to Women's Health magazine, which is who told you to do that in the first place. <laughs> um so let's go to a more reasonable source, I suppose. We'll go to uh the Boston Globe, which was also talking about the experiment that we talked about at the beginning of the podcast with the um with the two parts of the brain that are in conflict. Mm-hmm. Whenever accumbens you... and the insula. Nice. So whenever you are deciding something that's the deliberation that's going on in there. And they give us some tips on how to overcome the, the battle to win our battle against our credit card debt. Okay. Cognition over emotion. Yes. Yes. Um, to say nothing of the hormones, but first <laughs> and for- foremost, researchers say you got to stop using your credit card. It's yeah. too, um, it's too easy to do. You don't have that sense of guilt when you have to like just swipe something that you will if you're counting out your cold hard cash. Right. There's, uh, there's actual pain kind of associated with just seeing the cash leaving your hands. Yeah. Or your nickels. Oh, or your nickels. Um, I should probably stop mentioning that as much as I am or you won't tell me any more deep dark secrets. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you have to, an internet, that's why internet shopping's the worst. This is what I do when I feel bad. I just go online and go to Amazon. Ooh, one click away. One click away and you're done. So don't shop online. Actually go to the, go to the store. Mm-hmm. And you do need to know your feelings. Do you shop more when you're sad? Um, even men tend to, you know, shop when they're sad. Yeah. I, I only shop if I'm in a shopping Mood. And a lot of times, I think it probably is more correlated to if I'm feeling kind of down, I I need a a new shirt or something to boost my, my steam a little bit. Yeah, you're trying to activate that pleasure center. Mm -hmm. And if you're, but you can't just be happy and go shopping because I was reading that if your pleasure centers are activated, you're like on a roll. For example, the Boston Globe talks about how um, men who had just looked at erotic pictures were more likely to shop for more. Because they already had the pleasure center turned on and they didn't want to turn it off. Well. So don't look at erotic pictures before you go shopping. Lesson number two. <laughs> Important tip of the day. Well, Molly, one, one thing that you also have to avoid if we're talking about tips for uh, overcoming this, this instinct to shop is avoiding the dressing room. Really? Yes, an article in the Economist magazine reported that if customers try something on, they are, they have a 85% chance of, of actually buying it as opposed to a 58% chance of seeing if they just like it on the rack. If you take it in there, I mean, it's commitment. Wow. You have, you've taken the time, you put it on. You've seen what it's like. You're imagining the shoes that will go with it. It's good as yours. Wow. All right. Well, one more tip for you don't buy so much in one store. Don't go into that dressing room with 20 things to try on because then, like Kristen said, you're probably going to walk out with 10 and it's not going to be such a big deal that you're buying so much anymore. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you buy, you know, a $10 thing there and a $10 thing there, you notice more that you keep pulling out the credit card. Right. Just from experience, I think there's definitely sort of a threshold of shopping. For instance, I went shopping for makeup last weekend. And makeup is really easy for me to buy because it's very small. A lot of times it will cost less than $30. So I went in, you know, I was looking for some new mascara. and I was like, all right, I've got this. And I saw an eyeliner pencil. Okay. All of these things I can hold in my hand. By the time I left, I had like five things. Yeah. You've got to keep moving. But don't I look fabulous? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I do wish you could see Kristen. Uh, but Kristen, this is a specific tip for you. It's going to be our last one. And okay. it's, it's specifically for those of us who do try to be thrifty nickels every now and then. And that is you have to be aware of bargains sometimes because the lowered price makes you think that you can't do anything wrong. Mm -hmm. It makes you think you can't go wrong. You've got to buy it. It's a bargain. I have made many, many erroneous thrift store purchases. Yeah. So you've got to not let your insula, you know, we talked a lot about combating that pleasure center, but you also can't let your insula just guilt you into buying things because Mm -hmm. they're good deals. Right. If you don't need it, you don't need it. But what, you know what you do need, Molly? What? More information about the brain and shopping. Tell me more. So if you would like to learn more about all of this and read the article, Is My Brain Making Me Buy Things That I Don't Need by Julia Layton, you can go to HowStuffWorks.com. And if you have any questions or comments for me or Molly, you can email us at MomStuff at